0: Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your, your loving us in spite of us. God, I thank you, Father, that you hear and answer prayers, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have an open door policy, that you let us come into your throne room of grace anytime and pray that we might obtain mercy. God, thank you, Father, that you would even be mindful of us and take time to hear and to listen, Father. And Thank you, Lord, for for the miracles, God. Thank you for the things we've seen you do, God. Lord, I know Hunter's got a long way to go, Father, but you put him on his feet before there was even any expectations of it, God. You showed us a great and mighty miracle, Father, but there are still many more miracles to be seen. I thank you, Father, that you are a miracle-working God, Lord, for all these prayer requests for Jerry and Cheryl and and so many. Lord, I know Elisa dealing with her mom. Father, I just pray you'd be in the midst. God, I pray you'd be here tonight as we look into your word, Father. I thank you for this book. I thank you, God, for for what it teaches us, for what it gives us, for the encouragement that it that it gives us, Father, for for the assurance of your love for us, Lord. I pray you teach us, you help us to do something pleasing to you, Father. I pray that everything we do in this place be pleasing to you and you alone. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, "Amen, brother." If you don't mind, you can turn those two down. I don't need to hear me. I just need other folks too. I'm not used to hearing me. I get to feel I get to realize how redneck I am. Yeah, that's. When, when I hear that, I'm like, who is that guy? But man, um, Redneck. Redneck. I is what I is. I is what I is. Um, you're going to have me a clock up there or we're just going to go? I see Dale over there trying to make some stuff on there. They're trying to save y'all's day and get me a clock going so we can get out of here by 12. Um, I, I do. <laughs> while, while Dale's in here, I'll, I'll go ahead and give y'all. On Last week, I, I know we... we council services um, I know that it didn't do much at eight o'clock like they talked about, but I know you guys understand there there's a lot of factors going to making a decision um when it when it comes to counseling church, but we have to make decisions early enough to get stuff out. We can't make them at five minutes till we we got to make them early enough for people to make plans and in all honesty, there, there was people without power. There was trees down. There was power lines down. There was a lot of issues leading up going into church. That was going to affect a lot of people from being able to get here anyway. But there was also in the forecast, anywhere between 745 and 810, the possibility of another storm hitting that might be as severe as the one that had come through earlier. And so that's, that's why we made the decision because we don't want our family on the road. In that it's one thing in this kind of rain but it was another thing that that storm if you guys know what was going on that storm was traveling at 60 mile an hour so you can imagine the gust of wind and all that was in it so dale sent me a text he and i talked and sent me a text it must have been about the time church would have started i guess the weather was fair and he said hey man something of the effect of, of sorry i think that you know well, that's probably a bad call and this is my response and this is honest answer it was a good call we we had to make the call at the time we had to make the call. And based on what we had at the time we made it, it was a good call. And if it's a good call, then it's a good call. You can't help what happens at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at 9 o'clock. You can thank God that the storm didn't come. You can thank God that 60-plus mile-an-hour winds didn't come through and tear stuff up, mess up people's houses and blow down trees. But you can't just say, well, it was a bad decision because the weather didn't do what they said it might be going to do. So, uh, we, we hate to miss a, a service as much as anybody, especially once I of them got locked and loaded and spent all day studying ready to preach. You can't imagine how hard it is to have to put the brakes on and can't. You're like, really? I mean, Robin, sit down and be still. I got to preach to somebody. I mean, I, I, got, I got to unload, so. Uh, but at any rate, I, I know you guys understand. I appreciate you understand, but I just want you to know a lot of times. Um, that's, prob- that's the second time I know of that we've made a choice based on information that we had, and then the weather wasn't bad. I don't take that as a bad call. I take that as thank you, God, for hearing and answering the prayer that the bad weather didn't come through. It didn't. It didn't mess up our family's homes here, and it didn't hurt our family here and went through. So at any rate, um, Acts chapter 27 is where we we left off two weeks ago when we were here. We're, we're sneaking up on the end. We're we're getting there. We have just a few weeks left. I got <coughs> since since I didn't get to preach last week, I did a little bit of reflecting and looking back and going over. Some of the things that, that we studied to, to bring up, I don't, I don't want to forget everything we studied, getting up to where we are. And I was looking back, and I looked back in my computer. We actually started this study July 21st, 2021 um, because of some different Sundays and not having. This is actually the 73rd lesson from the Acts of the Apostles. But here, here's what I was studying. Here's what I was going back over. overview. In all honesty, we could start all over. I see so many things looking back that I... I, I don't send my notes then. There's just, there's so many things there because we're not doing an exhaustive study of, of the Acts of the Apostles. We're not, we're not doing a word search and a word study. You can take a word study and you can spend an entire message most time on a single word if you look at all that's buried into a lot of them. We're not even doing a verse by verse. We're just doing an overview of the Acts of the Apostles. And we are right at two years in doing an overview on the Acts of the Apostles. The reason I say that is I had somebody tell me one time that they had pastored a church for less than three years and they had stepped down and they said, Bons, I didn't have nothing else left to preach. I didn't preach the whole thing. You'll see what I'm talking about. I was just becoming a pastor. You'll see what I'm talking about. And I thought, you've lost your mind. I mean, I'm, I'm finished up working on a doctorate degree and I ain't not scratched the surface on what I want to learn. And right now we're at, what, nine plus years, I guess. And I didn't scratch the surface of... of Exhausting. So I, I was looking this week, or well, really last week, when, when I didn't go you know, just, just studying a little bit more. And here, here's, I believe, the absolute truth. If you try to do a word study of the Word of God and go through from in the beginning to amen, and you try to do a word study, it would take several lifetimes to try to accomplish that feat. It's amazing how much information is in that book. Reading the Bible through in a year ain't giving us that. Reading the Bible through in a year is giving us something we don't have. It's giving us some encouragement. It's giving us some strength. It's giving us some knowledge. It's giving us some filling of the Holy Spirit. It's giving us some good things. Don't don't misunderstand that. Reading the Bible every day is giving us something good. Reading the Bible through in a year is giving us something good, and it's an accomplishment. It really is. I, I love the idea. It's an accomplished feeling to know that you've read the Word of God through in, in a year, and if you really want to take a challenge, I'll get you a list next year, and you can try it in 40 days. It takes a little bit longer per day, but it can be done. There's actually a plan for it. But it is amazing how much information is in that book that we can just highlight over the Acts of the Apostles 28 chapters, and we can't cover it in two years. Isn't it amazing that God would give us, give us that much stuff? So we left off uh, verse number 13, the centurion. He had taken the advice of the captain, and, and he decided that he's going to set sail. Paul said, hey not a good idea we need to stay here if we set sail we're going to lose some ship we're going to lose some cargo and we're going to lose some lives we need to stay here but the centurion apparently he has the ultimate call he believes the captain the captain's like man i can do this i've been selling these things for years besides you know here we are at at the harbor that it's not big enough the haven here is not big enough to winter it's not a sufficient port so if we could just make it to Phoenix, you know it's only about 30 miles or so up to Phoenix. Even if we can't make it to Rome, we get to there, it's a bigger harbor, it's a better place, it's a great place to winter. So, I mean, the winds are soft, right? That's kind of where we left off. We were looking at the south wind, verse number 13 of Acts chapter 27, that when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed to Crete. Now, they decide... To, to set sail after Paul came and said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and of the ship, but also of our lives. So here's what the centurions faced: I got God's man telling me this, but I got a captain telling me this. And he decides to look at the circumstances and see the soft winds blow. And that's kind of where we left off the fact that many people have been drawn away. By the soft winds. Many people have been led astray because they did not heed the voice of the Holy Spirit. They did not not listen to the heed of the Holy Spirit inside, guiding and directing. They they looked at the wind, they they looked at the circumstances that were there, they looked at the current situation, and they said, It doesn't really look that bad, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it my way. I see what the circumstances look like now, so so we're just going to go ahead. But God can see the storm that lies ahead. God can see what's coming. If God wants you in a storm, he'll send you in a storm. He did it to the apostles, right? Right? Didn't he not put them on the boat, tell them, set sail the other side, and they wind up in the sea, and he comes walking on the water? He sent them into that. If God needs you in a storm, he'll send you into one, and it has a purpose. But a lot of the things we get ourselves into, we get ourselves into. God didn't send them. It's like here that, that we, they should have stayed put. It says not long in verse number 14, there arose against it a, a tempestuous wind called Eurycladon. Man, they ain't hardly got the sails lifted high. And all of a sudden, this typhoon takes over the ship. We left off looking at the idea that there are some factors that a Christian should take into account before making life-changing decisions. When, when we have something on our heart that, that we believe God wants us to do or, or, or if we're thinking about a ministry, when we feel like maybe God put the ministry on our heart, there, there are some things that we need to take into account before we go forward in anything. Number one, what does God's Word say? Period. If the voice in any way contradicts the Word, it's the wrong voice. Anybody know that the devil will still talk to you, Right? I'm not the only heathen in the house, am I? I'm not the only one he still messes with, right? Somebody help me. The, de- the devil, especially if he, if he senses that the Lord's giving you something and he hears you talking, he sees you studying, he sees you're trying, it's just like the devil to try to start leading you in the wrong direction and he'll use what, what you think is coming from God. But he'll put things in, so I can tell you, if it doesn't line up the word right off the bat. You know that it's wrong. But something else that that I that I was thinking about, really this week—not as much last week. is, is kind of in addition too. But another important factor, especially if it's a ministry, if it's if you if it's something you believe God's given you to do from a ministry perspective, if you're married. What your spouse says has a lot to do with what's right and wrong. Because God's not going to give you something to do that will cause the two of you to split. God's not going to give one of you something to do and not give the other one the same notion. He's not going to put you in opposite directions. See, the the truth is what what we feel like God is telling us to do in our heart has to be backed up here. But but God's not going to call us into something life-changing and, and not include those around us that it's going to have a big effect on. See, the reason it's so important that, that, that we spend time in prayer and we listen for the voice of God and we compare it to the Word of God is because, yes, God can open doors. Open doors that no man can shut, shut doors that no man can open. We know that. It's scriptural. But he's not the only one that can open doors. God allows the devil to open doors. And the devil can open doors of, of temptation anytime to to try to, to lure us away. When when we see doors open, sometimes we're like, man, I've been wanting that door open. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I I've been I've been praying for that door to be open. If you've been praying out loud, the devil hears your prayers too. You've been talking to friends about, man, I want to do this. And you've been talking to family about, I want to do that. And, man, if God just opened this door right here, God may just allow the devil to open a door that has something similar, but the devil opened it to try to get you going the wrong direction. That there, 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 there's, I, I was thinking about some, some things that, that are different. And one of the important factors this time, when, when you're looking at open doors or you're looking at things to do, the devil... Always pushes. Somebody say amen. Amen. The devil always pushes. God never does. God gives you opportunity, but he does not try to push you through doors. The the devil always tries to get us to act on impulse. Y'all hear me? The devil pushes. He tries to get us to act on impulse. God never does. The devil says the door is open now. You got to get through the door now before the door closes. If God's got the door open, you ain't got to worry about it closing. Until God says, okay, you missed your opportunity. The devil tries to get us to to act on impulse and and rush through. It's now or never. God never says that. God God gives us ministries, God gives us things to do. God wakes us up in the middle of the night. God assures us of what He wants. He tells us the thing. But God gives us the peace to walk through a door, not, not the urgency to have to get through it. God, God gives us the peace to, to know that it's there and, and not try, try to get us to, to push our way. God allows us time to seek peace. God allows us time to seek His guidance, to know His will, and, and to make things certain. God will confirm it through His Word, but He will also confirm it through those around us. God God has a way of doing things that a lot of times just don't make sense to human mentality. Anybody say amen? God has a way of doing things that just doesn't make sense. Imagine being Naaman the leper. Y'all remember Naaman the leper? And, And one of his wife's servants says there, there's a man of God in our country. Man, if you, if you, I just, if you could be around him, you know, he, he could help. So, and so he goes, he goes to talk to the prophet, and, and Elijah doesn't even come out to meet him. He hears that he's coming, and Elijah sends a message out to him and says, just go tell him to dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, he just came from a place of some mighty rivers, and the Jordan's a muddy old river, and he's ticked off about it. In the story, second Kings chapter five, verse eleven, Naaman was wroth. Went away and said, Behold, I thought he'll surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, strike his hand over the place and recover the leper? Or not Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He's ticked off. God told him what to do, but it didn't make sense to mankind. Anybody there? God, God gave him specific instruction, but one of his servants came and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? So then he, he went down, and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Verse number 15, he returned to the man of God. He and all his company came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth. Had he given him some great act and some great deed, he could have taken satisfaction in the fact that he completed something. He could have taken satisfaction in the fact that I did something, I followed instructions, I did something great. He could try to get some credit. But he can't get no credit out of dipping in an old muddy Jordan River seven times. So what God did was he accomplished something that didn't make sense. So so that he came and said, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take the blessing of thy servant. You know, Following, following God, certainly it takes, it takes faith, but, but there's a reason it takes so much prayer. There's a reason it takes so much reading the Word of God. In, in our own lives, with, with Robin and I, by the way, thank you to you guys that sent the text. Yes, we've been married 37 years today. Um, but that doesn't make problems go away. It's okay, say Amen. When we'd been married, I guess 27 years, because that would have been 10 years ago before I became pastor. God had, or Robin had it on her mind that God was was sending me to Costa Rica. Well, I knew that wasn't right because I had no inclination to go there. Yes, I was there once a month. Yes, I was there carrying groups constantly. Yes, I, I absolutely loved the children to death over the children's home. I understand all that, but I had nothing in me that I felt like God was moving me to Costa Rica. One of the things that I know now that I didn't know then that should have been a sign for me to know that I wasn't is the fact that her heart wasn't moving there as well. That's why I know God will not move one and not put on the heart of the other because after really a few months of, of bickering amongst us, just, just, there's, there's strife. When, when your wife thinks you're fishing to take your family to, they're not a third world country, but they're not America. And we none of us can speak Spanish. All I can do is eat. I can get some groceries, and that's about it. But that, it, it creates some difficulties on the home front. Is that fair? And so... One day I'm at work, and I told you the story about how God told me what my next mission was going to be. I was very upset. God had put me here 2013, pulled me out of Costa Rica, pulled me out of Panama, pulled me out of preaching over the men's center across town, told me to stay here, took me out of every ministry that I've been doing for a few years now, and he said, you stay right here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you be right here. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? I finally get off the pew, and I go to work. What did I do wrong? And so I'm so upset. It goes on for six months that I'm here. I haven't been on a mission trip. I haven't been on anywhere. I'm beside myself. And God made it very clear. God told me I was in Alabama working on a house, that that my next mission would be a pastor. I called Robin. I said, I know what it is. God said, my next mission, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm I'm not going. And she said, I already know that. You all hear me? I already know that. And what she said is true. It took me a while to remember. She said, I told you that God told me that three or four months ago, and you told me I lost my mind. Sounds just like something I would have said. But here's what I know. What she was afraid of, the reason she was afraid is because God hadn't moved her there and he hadn't moved me there. But but the thing that God was preparing me for, the thing that God was setting me up to do and and teaching me and shaping me for, he was preparing it in my wife before I ever even knew what it was. So I'm just telling you, when God God has something for you to do, when God opens doors, you won't have to wonder if it's the right door. You you know what God is telling you, and it lines up with everything in this book, but it will also be be conclusive with those around you that it's also going to affect. Going from a business owner to living on a pastor's salary, which is a very good one at this church, I'm not complaining that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's different. And it's not just different for you, it's different for your entire family. And so God will prepare everybody that it's going to affect. So, so anyway, we were just looking. I, I was going to share this. Pastor Benny Tate said it a couple weeks ago. He said, you don't need a voice. You need a verse. It's basically the same way of saying the same thing. If you think God's telling you to do something, back it up with scriptures. Don't, don't rush into decision. If God's leading you, you're going to know it. He's going to remind you of it about 3.30 every morning. He's going to let you sleep for a little bit. And somewhere around 3 or 3.30, he's going to wake you up and remind you God is very good at 3 o'clock in the morning. But but flipping through the scriptures and looking for a verse to support what you want to do, looking for a one-liner, trying to find that one verse to, to back it up, that's not the answer. It's every day. It's daily reading. It's daily searching. It's daily prayer. It, it has to be that a long time with, with the Lord to help us in, in decision-making. I will say this: I'm not saying that God won't give you a verse to support what He gives you to do. It just won't be a one-liner out of context. It'll be everything in context. Anybody that's ever every ministry here, if you'll notice, it has a name and it has a verse, because when somebody comes and says, "Hey, this is what I believe God's leading me to do. This is what God's laid on my heart." And we talk about it. I listen to what it says, when they say. What they say, and say, "Okay, God didn't give that to me. He gave it to you." I'm behind you 100%. I'm praying with you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go pray. And when you have a name and you have a verse, you come see me again. You know, and we'll get started. And God will give you that. There's a verse to support the, the, the things that are there. So God will give you a verse to support what he's telling you. But all of it works in one accord. Right, right here, the winds blew softly, so they decided to sail. They made their decision based on the fact that the captain says, I can make it, it's only 30 miles over here, and the wind it is soft. They barely raised the sails when this soft southerly wind turns into a typhoon, and now the ship is completely at the mercy of the winds. Verse number 15, when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. They, they had no control over the ship whatsoever. The wind was taking it where it wanted to, and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work come by the boat. The, the ship's coming apart. You, you got planks breaking loose. You you got, they're taking on water. They're, there's a lot happening. There is no hope for these men. We'll see it in just a minute. The, the wind has taken complete control, that they can't get to Phoenix where they wanted to. There's no way to get back to the haven where they came from. It has blown them out. They're, they're blowing out the sea. They have no control over their situation. I wonder what the centurion's thinking right about now. I wonder if he's thinking, I should have listened to that man of God. Pretty sure that the captain is wishing he would have listened. But because it says there in verse 17 and 18 that when they taken taken up, that they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, straight sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest the next day, they lighten the ship. The ship's being torn apart by the waves. They're, they're taking on water. They're worried about being driven into to the shallows and the ship being torn apart. So they start lightening the ship. Now, that may be one verse to us. That's just one verse. We, we lighten the ship. But to the captain, that's everything. He's, he's throwing the cargo overboard. That's all of his profit. That's everything he's supposed to get paid for. Everything that he's working for, everything he's doing, he's throwing overboard. The food that's on the ship, they got to throw overboard. They're trying to get this thing lightened up to, to, to try to save the ship. No matter what happens now, his profit's gone. Even if they survive, even if they come through, he has nothing. If it's not bad enough, that they start throwing away their food. And on the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship in verse 19. Now they're having to cast some of the sail, some of the tackling, some of the things that they need overboard. So even if they survive, this is stuff he's not going to have any profit from the sale, And he's going to have to replace all that stuff on the ship. He can't set sail again to replace it. So now they're throwing over the stuff that, that they need. He's putting everything he has on the line to try and save their lives. This is a man who owns this ship. He's not just a captain. He owns this ship. We saw it earlier in the text. He's the owner of this ship. He is doing everything. He's pulling all the stops, everything that he knows to do as a seaman. But the fact is, he has absolutely no control over what the winds are going to do. He had control when he had a choice. We have control over our choice. We have no control over the circumstances from that choice. He had a choice, and he chose not to listen to what the man of God says and go on on the wisdom of man. And it says there in verse number 20 that that when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us. See, God is removing any possibility that this can be anything but God. Number one, if he gives you something to do, most of the time it's going to be bigger than you can accomplish yourself. If you think you can do it, it's probably not from God. God will give you stuff to do that you cannot do without Him. It's going to require your faith. It's going to require your trust. It's going to require that you lean on Him. Because if you think you can do it, then you'll think you did it. So so God gives big things to do right here. He's removing any possibility that moving the tackling and lighting the ship, that any of that stuff can save the ship. He's making it sure that it's nothing But God, now Luke says plainly right there, he says the winds are terrible. The seas, the waves, he said, it's brutal. The ship is like a toy being tossed around in in the tempest. But then he says, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Y'all know that really important word that we visited again. We first saw it back in chapter 16 when Luke made it obvious that he joined in with Paul and he changed from they to what? We. We began to say we set sail. And then while he was at Jerusalem and then he was arrested in prison in Caesarea, we saw Paul, Paul, Paul. But once he starts here, we find we again. So we know that, that Luke is on the ship, but we find we right here in, in a completely different context. This isn't we set sail and we traveled and we did this. It doesn't say here that they lost all hope. Y'all, y'all see that? It doesn't say that the sailors lost all hope. It doesn't say that the captain, the owner of the ship, lost all hope. It, it, it doesn't say that the centurion, that the captain of the guards lost all hope. He says, I, me, us, including me, we, we, the man of God, Luke. He says, we lost All hope, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that that we should be saved was taken away. He said days of darkness, thick clouds. There's no sun shining and the winds are blowing and the sea is raging and the nights are black as soot. There's no moon. There's no stars. There's no way to know what direction we're going. Even in the dark, it's just waving back and forth. People on board, don't you know there's some seasick folks on that joker? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I'm pretty sure this boat's done got nasty long about now. And if so bad, they probably can't lean over the edge. So, so they, they are in a very bad situation on top of all of it. They are completely lost. They have no GPS. They have no sonar. They have no idea where they are. But in verse 21, after long abstinence, the, the word there is Fasting. You take that word, the same translation as fasting, that after a long time of fasting, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not lose from Crete to have gained this, this harm and this loss. Now, now, Paul's not boasting. This isn't I told you so moment. Paul isn't worried about what I told you so. Paul's want to make sure that they understand something. You remember what I told you before that God said and you didn't listen? You might want to listen this time. Paul's not putting one of those I told you so moments in. Paul's bringing some assurance there. After a long absence, he said, you should have hearkened unto me and not lose. See, we probably ought to have that verse underlined in our Bible. We probably ought to have that on our, on our phone as a reminder to come up every day to remind us that, that we really need to be listening to God. Every one of us has got a time in our life we didn't listen. We, we need to be reminded that, that we have a God, praise God, of second chances. We have a God of, I don't know how many second chances there are, but there's a whole bunch of them, I can testify to that. And, and I thank God that I haven't exhausted his patience yet. I haven't exhausted his long-suffering because he continues to be a God of second chances. Every one of us needs to be reminded right here that Paul says you should have listened, but God hadn't give up on you. You, you, you really need to, to pay attention. He says, now I exhort you. That means I advise you to be of good cheer. What? Days of darkness? Nights of darkness, no stars, no clouds, wind, seasick, tempest. Be of good cheer. Yeah, right. For there shall no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. I, I'm sure be of good cheer would have probably been encouraging if it weren't for the facts of the situation. If, if it weren't for all of the obvious things that, that they could see around them. R- remember... That's what got them into this mess the the first time because they they acted based on their current situation. They set sail because the current situation looked favorable. Now to be of good cheer, that's going to be pretty difficult because of the situation. I, I wrote this down. I like it. You, you don't have to write it down, but I've already wrote it down for me. I'm, I'm going to keep up with it. Paul, Paul's telling them, don't, don't do that again. Don't, don't not listen. So here, here's what I wrote down for myself. If it'll help you, put it down. The condition of our current situation does not dictate what God can do. Sometimes, every one of us need to remember that. Because sometimes, hell on earth shows up on our doorstep. Sometimes it seems like everything's coming unglued. But it is very important that we remember the condition of the current situation does not dictate what God can do in our lives. Paul says, be of good cheer. Nobody's going to die. Now, before they can open the mouth, Samantha, are you crazy? How, how do you promise that? And he says, there stood, there stood, quiet, quiet, there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul says, you remember what I said before we left? I perceive that there will be much hurt. There will be much loss, but nobody listened. Well, the same God that sent me that word has sent me this word, and this word confirms what God told me years ago. I'm not going to die. I'm going to Rome. So Paul's not worried about Paul. Paul already knew that God told him, you must preach at Rome. So Paul's not just being optimistic here. He's not just trying to lift their spirits. He's stating the facts. Nothing is going to keep me from getting to Rome. God said that I must preach at Rome. I know I'm getting there, but here's the good news for you. None of you are going to die either. You know what that tells me? Paul ain't been over there praying for himself. See, nobody on that ship Knew where they were. They're they're lost at sea. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody on that ship knew if they were going to live or die. Or when they would die. If that were going to be the case. And that goes on for days. Day after day. Night after night. The unknown. The helpless. The hopeless. they, They have lost all hope. Luke wrote that. Luke the recorder of the gospel Luke wrote we have lost all hope All, all they can wonder at night is every time that boat tilts which time is the wave going to be too big that it turns us over Every time the nose hits in one of those waves that comes over the boat, the, the, the one that has to be, which wave is going to be too big that we're going to take on too much water and we're going to sink? Every time that they rock and they're worried about those shallows, which time is it that the wind is going to blow us up into the rocks or blow us on shallow water, turn it over, destroy the ship, and, and kill us? So, so they don't know anything. They're lost in all this hopelessness. They're lost in all their situation. They're, they're lost at sea. they have no idea where they are. But God knew. The master of the storm knew exactly where the ship was. The master of the storm, it never got so dark that he couldn't see it. The wind never got so strong that he couldn't guide it. The waves never got so big that he couldn't control it. And no matter what the storm is in our life, we have the same God, the waves may look too big for us. The winds may be too strong for us. We may look lost in our situation, but it is never out of God's control. Somebody say amen. No matter what it is, it is not beyond the hand of our God. And we see it right here in this ship that in the midst of all this storm and all this trouble and all this trial, God says, don't worry about it. I'm going to let you lose the ship, but I'm going to save your life. Now, I I, want to read a story. It's a little funny to me. It's written by John Phillips. And and he he is supposing here that Gabriel is the one to deliver this message. He says, Of all the missions from God above to men on earth entrusted to that angel, this surely must have been one of the strangest. Because, you know, the angel brought the message to the ship, right? So the angel finds himself in the tempest. The angel finds himself on board the boat. He's talking to Paul, so he's got to be on the boat. Are Are we agree? So so the angel, he says, this must have been one of the strange. He said, picture the angel on his return to heaven, and here comes Michael, the archangel of the armies of heaven. He says, well, Gabriel, where have you been off to this time? Gabriel says, well, I've been out to sea. Michael says, to sea. Gabriel says, yeah. Went to deliver a message to that grand old saint of God, the apostle Paul. Man, he was on board a sinking ship. You ain't ever seen such a mess. Sick people, scared people, wreckage everywhere. The whole ship was reeking. Captain and his crew were exhausted. They were at their wits' end. They'd given up all hope. And Michael says, Why is it that these mortals can never use the slightest bit of common sense? Especially when they have in their midst a man like Paul in touch with the throne of God. We have access to the same throne. There, there is never a closed sign on the throne of God that we might obtain grace. We may come into the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy. There is never a closed sign. There's never an out-to-lunch sign. There's never an on-vacation sign. There, there's never we, we temporarily shut down to reboot our systems. The doors of glory are always open. And the same God that Paul talked to in the midst of his storm is the same God that we can talk to in the midst of our storm. One of the things I want to I look at before we close, I got, just, I got just a few minutes here. Paul already knew that Paul going to live. So Paul's not worried about Paul. Paul's worried about people. You remember what Paul told them before the ship set sail? He said there's going to be much harm. There's going to be loss, talking about loss of stuff, loss of supplies, loss of ship. But what else did he say was going to be lost? Lives. He said that, that there's going to be loss of life. It sirs, I perceive that this voyage is verse number 10, if you want to look at it. I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Paul hasn't forgotten what the angel of God told him the first time. Paul is somewhere on that ship begging God for their lives. You know what would have helped that captain's feeling that he didn't know? Is that he had a man of God tucked away somewhere on that ship, fasting and pleading before God. Somewhere on that ship... Tucked away in one of them. He had a man that wasn't worried about the storm, wasn't worried about the waves. He wasn't out there looking to see if he could see land and spot for him Somewhere on that ship, he had a man of God. See, some of us need to be that person in some people's lives. Sometimes people in a storm so bad, you ever been in one so bad you don't feel like praying? Yeah. Listen, I've, I've had people tell me recently, I don't know what to pray. Their life, is just one thing after another. I don't know what else to pray. I tell them, pray the same thing. You don't have to pray anything different. Pray the same thing. Keep praying until you get an answer. Yes or no? But you ever been in something so bad you don't feel like praying? You you, you ever been in a storm so bad? You ever been down? You ever been hurt so much? You ever been sick? And and you just, you don't don't feel like you're touching the throne of God. Have you ever felt like you prayed and your prayer ain't getting past the ceiling of this building? Anybody ever feel that? And, And you begin to say, God, where are you? Sometimes people's in that and we need to be that man somewhere on the ship fasting and praying on their behalf. Those men weren't praying. Those men weren't seeking God. Those men were worried about dying. Those men didn't even know God as far as we know. Luke, Luke I mean, you got a couple of traveling companions do. As far as we know, those men don't know God. They're, they're serving idols. These are just worldly men. But somewhere on that ship, there was a man begging God, For their lives. And every one of them owes that man for their lives. Because God said before they ever went, there's gonna be loss of life. But now Paul comes back and says, The angel Lord came and he said, Tell them, be of good cheer. None of you're gonna die. We're gonna lose the ship. We're gonna lose the ship. You're gonna lose some stuff. He says, Fear not, thou must be brought before Caesar and lo, God had given thee all them that sail with thee. But this will be a good verse to leave off with anyway, because this is, this is really what it all boils down to. No, no matter what it is, no matter if it's a storm or sea, it no matter, doesn't, no matter what, this is what it all boils down to, verse number 25, is what Paul said. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe. God. That's what it all boils down to. No matter what what we're facing, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on out there in the world, no matter what the situation looks like, the circumstances, the situations in our life are never what dictates what God can do. God can do all things, but it all boils down to one simple question. Can I make that statement in every situation? Paul said, the reason I know you're going to live, the reason I know I'm going to live, I don't know how this is going to work out. Anybody ever felt that one? I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how we're going to get out of this mess. I don't know how we're going to lose the ship and all the tackle and stuff, and none of us are going to die. I don't know how, but here's what I do know. I believe God that's where it's got to land for you and i that's a really good place to leave off lord willing we'll pick up right there verse number 25 next week father thank you so much for being so good god thank you for this book god thank you so much for this precious book the teachings and all that's in it God and all the examples God that they're not Old Testament stories and they're not New Testament they're not just acts of the apostles they're applicable to right now in our lives to every single one of us God we face different storms and different shipwrecks and different sicknesses and different ailments and We we all face things God and in every every situation we have the opportunity to come into your throne room and pray God and in every situation we have an opportunity to trust you and to, to listen to you or to listen to the advice of men and every situation, God, we have the opportunity to just say, hey, I believe God, and to just stay by your side. Thank you, Father, for being so patient with us. Thank you for loving us so much. God, I pray as we go out of this place, would you make us usable vessels, God? Use us for your glory. Help us to be pleasing to you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.